The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started this episode of Bench with Bubba, let me talk about the QuantEdge.com, great daily fantasy website. They said a bunch of stuff even on the NFL draft, but they did NFL, they've cracked into basketball, and now we're doing some baseball I'm writing the batter breakdown over there five to seven times a week. Um, and they have awesome content, awesome member discord, and great tools. That's what I like the most about the quantage.com. You can get content. You can get all the other stuff elsewhere. But the the tools you can't find. They have a great lineup optimizer, injury tool, weather tool, umpire tool, Vegas tool. They have the stat cast tool coming out. Tons of great stuff. And if you want to get the rest of the MLB DFS season package for $124.99, use promo code Bubba. If you just want to try out the products, you can get the all-sport package. You've got the NBA playoffs kicking off still. You know, second round starting soon. Get the all-sport package for the first month for $19.99 or a five-day trial for $5.99. So if any of those three packages float your boat and you want to try out the QuantEdge.com, use promo code Bubba and get the discount you're looking for. Also, if you are new to Draft.com, play Draft. Draft.com, Draft in your app store. Fun, fun way to play daily fantasy sports. They started out with the snake-style drafts just the way you like them. They have auction-style drafts. They have best ball drafts. They're already doing NFL best ball drafts. They have all kinds of awesome stuff. They have PGA, NBA, MLB, NFL. They have the works. And if you're new to it, use promo code SDD as a dog, SD Sports, for entry into a free $3 tournament of your choice. Free money tournament. Free $3 tournament of your choice. Draft.com. Draft in your app store. Promo code SD Sports. Last but not least, if you have a rating and review over on iTunes, I'd much, much appreciate it. It would help out. The more ratings and reviews we get, the higher up the charts we get, and more and more people can give it a listen. With all that being said, welcome to Bench with Bubba, episode 165, with Ben Palmer of PitcherList.com. everybody to another episode of bench with bubba episode 165 going to continue on the fantasy baseball chat 
as we are in the middle of the week four action and we have more injuries. We have some call-ups to talk about and just a lot of cool players that are, are off the good starts, slow starts, kind of been hot this week. The gamut to talk about in order to do so, have a first time guest on the podcast. You've heard some of his co-hosts and um, co-authors at the Pitcher List. Uh, you can find us over at PitcherList.com and on Twitter at Ben J. Palmer. Ben, how are we doing, man? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm I'm excited that uh, I, I looked at the the list of guests that you've had and I mentioned to you that, you know, you've had Nick and then you had Alex and then you went to me next, which is like cool, I guess that I'm like the third person you would think of for pitcher list. But I also looked at the list of guests you've had and I, I am pretty confident that I am by far the least well-known person that has ever been on your podcast. Well, that means, you know what, when I get, when, when I, when I go away from the quote unquote norm, it's usually, the, it's usually the more fun podcast for me because I get to know people that I don't get to know. And that's what <laughs> I enjoy about it. Because in reality, you know, who wants to listen to, you know, Nick Pollock do his 75th podcast of the week? Like, really, oh, who God, wants to I do know. that? You just hear him talk about pitchers again. Ugh. Yeah, like, why does that a guy, guy. Like that, that that has a Twitter handle at Pitcher List just talk about pitchers? It's unbelievable. That, exactly. Like, that well, it used, to be, it used to be the Pitcher List. I don't know if you remember those days. Way back when. There was... Yeah, and did you ever know? I'm not going to tell the story, but did, I'll, I'll tell you off podcast. But did you ever know the story of why it was the pitcher list? No, I don't, but I can't wait to hear it. It's uh, a little salacious. I'll tell you later. Yeah, that's <laughs> not a problem was, at all. We'll keep it was this a little, PG. It was a little nuts. Yeah, yes. <laughs> no worries there. But uh, yeah, let's have some, we'll have some fun with this. We'll, we'll chat it up, um, get some players you like, and apparently we are both in love with Laurie Polanco. So we'll we'll Absolutely. talk about him. We'll wax poetically later on him. But first, let's talk some recent news, some injuries, some call-ups. Um, this, you know, it's only, it's three days since the last recording, and we only have like five injuries. So to me, that's we're moving in the right direction. Um, They're all Yankees. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, are you a Yankees fan by chance? No, God, no. I'm an Orioles okay. fan. I mean, so I was yeah, about to I, say. I, so I say God, no, because I just I hate the Yankees and I I hate the Red Sox as part of being an Orioles fan, but. It is. I know you're a Giants fan, so you can wallow in in misery yes. with me yep. of being a fan of a horrible, terrible team. Yep, it's it's rough goes these days, as they say. Rough yeah. goes. Yeah, especially when you have Chris Davis starting every day on your team. <sighs> yeah, yeah, that and, that. And uh, you, see, I don't I don't have it that bad, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, and we're paying him like millions and millions of dollars until like the sun explodes. I, <laughs> but really I heard weird. he's I heard he's heating up. So he, he is good. actually. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. But we'll talk about at least one year Orioles later that we might have yes. fantasy relevance too. Well, let's start with the injuries here. Clint Frazier. He has a tear, a slight ankle injury slash slight tear in his ankle on the IL. They, some are saying 10 to 14 days, but if I'm hearing a slight tear, I'm a little more concerned. And this, this Yankees IL is just ridiculous. They got Gary Sanchez back. They might get Stanton back here pretty soon. Um, you know, I, I saw one of their beat reporters tweet out uh, that, you know, DD's taking actual ground balls. Hicks is throwing the ball around. Some of these guys are actually doing things, but they're still a ways away. First right. off, when it comes to Clint Frazier, how concerned are you with this injury? Um, I'm definitely a bit concerned. I, I kind of, I liked, I've, I've always liked Clint Frazier as a prospect. I always kind of felt he got buried in the Yankees system. Um, and I was excited to see him doing well. Um, but you know, I, it's the news I've heard on it so far is that it's not too bad. It was a, uh, what was it? A sprain ankle yeah. sprain. I think it was. Mm-hmm. So those, you know, 
Um, they they the nice thing about sprains usually is they're pretty straightforward recovery wise. Like it's not a hamstring thing, it's not a soft tissue thing. So that's good. I you know I'm hopeful he'll be back soon enough. So. I mean, we'll see, but yeah, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, but for now, what I think this means and th- and all of these Yankees injuries is that um, Mike, uh, I- I'd never know how to pronounce this, Talkman, Toshman? Uh, Talkman, like we're talking, Talkman, I thought so. like Walkman yes. as, a, as a kid, Talkman. Ah, okay, that makes sense. So yeah, so that means Talkman's job is secure for now. He hasn't been super great so far or good at all, but um you know, he had some great numbers in the minors last year, so it'll be interesting to see if uh, he can kind of capitalize on that power-speed combo he flashed in the minors. He's sort of interesting to just pay attention to but not pick up. Um, but, yeah, no, it's it's not looking good for the Yankees right now. Yeah, the, the comparison I make with Talkman when I do my um, my quick hits DFS show Monday through Friday is he's a cheaper Joey Gallo. He might strike out four times, but he's got power that could you know go deep twice in a game. But yeah, uh, he's definitely the average definitely won't be power. there, stuff like that. Definitely got good power. He's flashed uh, plenty of speed in the minors. So, I mean, he's got no steals right now, but, you know, it, it's he's he has that ability, that potential. So, you know, I think his his ceiling, um, if he ever were to reach it, is like a, a 2020 guy, perhaps with better power than that. Um, I don't know that, you know when he's reaching that when you're striking out almost 30 percent of the time it's hard to you know have too good of an average or you know get on base too much but yeah he's definitely an interesting guy and definitely someone to at least pay attention to it seems like he's going to keep playing because everybody's hurt the entire yankees uh roster seems to be made of balsa wood and is like pulling muscles after a sneeze so (laughs) and they 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 just went and uh they acquired cameron maven today is there any ins Interest there at all that? Um, it'll be it'll depend on how much he plays. Um, but I mean, I think he might end up playing a decent bit with everyone hurt. You know, it, um, and he's got he's still got good speed. I mean, you know, he um stole thirty three bases as recently as twenty seventeen. Uh, he only stole ten last year. So I mean, it, it it's kind of a watch and see i'm not you know i'm even in the deepest of leagues i'm not rushing to go grab him because i don't even really know what his playing time situation is going to be like but um you know if they sign him i assume that they probably means they're going to play him a bit so you know he's he's what 30 32 i think so you know speed's not quite what he used to be but like i said he's still over 30 bases two years ago so who knows it's worth at least looking at yeah, I think in deep leagues he's worth looking at for sure because if he gets consistent playing time, he'll he'll produce for you. He'll probably hit in a decent spot in that Yankees order, so there'll be something to yeah, pay and, attention and, to there. And and hitting in the AL East is never a bad thing for a hitter. Nope, there's a couple teams, especially out there. when you yeah. yeah, especially when you see the Orioles uh, rotation a lot. Yeah, I wasn't going to mention any names, but yes, <laughs> um, let's it's stay okay. in the. It's okay. In. I know that we have a. I know that we have a team ERA of like six, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Let's stay in the AL East. And uh, Joey Wendell of the Rays just came back off the DIL, was playing decent. Then he gets hit, and he has a fractured wrist. I'm um, going to be off for quite oh, some time. No. Do you just say, I'm sorry, Joey, but you're off my roster now, and we're just going to move on? Or do you have any desire to hold um, him in deep leagues? I think the only league where you're holding on to Joey Wendell is – um a dynasty league 
Um, and this is, I, well, I would say in a deep league, if you've just got a free IL spot and it's not going to hurt your roster, why not? You know, why not toss them in there until you need the spot? Because I do like Wendell. I, I believe in the breakout he had last year. He made some pretty noticeable adjustments at the plate. And I, I believe he's a good hitter. But um, the reports from Tampa are saying he's out three to four weeks. I feel like with a fractured wrist, that feels a little optimistic. Um, we've got uh, on Pitcher List, our, our own, uh, one of our writers, Jeff Davis, who um, is a medical professional, he created an injury glossary with kind of just a everything you need to know about every type of injury and general timetables for them. And he lists uh, fractured wrists as a six to eight week recovery with it immobilized and then a two to four week rehab. Um, if they're saying three to four weeks in Tampa, then I'm assuming that it's not a super severe fracture. Um, but I, I feel like three to four weeks feels a little optimistic uh for him to come back that quickly i don't know but if i have him in a deep league um then you know if i've got a free il might as well toss him in there if not yeah you cut bait uh in a dynasty league i think you hang on to him just for me at least i have him in a dynasty league i'm hanging on to him because i personally just like him but you know yeah generally speaking you're cutting him yep i'm with you there dynasty go ahead and keep him doing the same but uh, it's too too. I don't see how three to four weeks is possible. So, hundred percent with I you agree. there. Um, the Milwaukee Brewers they are reuniting with an old friend from last year. He did not make the Yankees roster, so they released him per the contract agreement. And Gio Gonzalez is now a member of the Milwaukee Brewers once again in the NL Central. You know he didn't look good in the Yankees farm system. He hasn't looked good no often. Is there any desire to pick up a Gio Gonzalez? Uh, no, not really. I mean. You know, if he ends up in a, in a steady rotation spot for the Brewers and is up against, I don't know, the White Sox, maybe. But like even then, like as a streamer, I yeah, generally I'm not interested in Geo at all. Like not even a little bit. Hundred percent with you there. That was an easy one. Let's go to Colorado. Kyle Freeland's actually looked really good again this year, to the doubts of many, even at home. And now he's on the 10-day mm-hmm. IL with a blister issue. It's on his left middle finger that uh, shouldn't, they say, shouldn't require too much time on the shelf. But you never know with blisters. Ask Mr. Big Dick Mountain himself, and he'll <laughs> let you know how uh, the blister issues go. What's your thoughts on Kyle Freeland and this injury? What kind of concerns do you have? Um, yeah, I'm not overly concerned. They're saying he's probably only going to miss about one start. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, blisters are definitely something that can crop up. They, you know, they say, oh, it's just one start. It'll be fine. And then all of a sudden he misses a month and they're like, well, the blisters just kind of kept happening. So, um, yeah, I mean, I pay, you know, pay attention to what's going on, but I think generally speaking, you should be fine. I think he's probably going to miss a start and he should be back. So I'm not I'm not overly worried about it. It's a bummer, but um, yeah, I'm not panicking or anything. I like it. Um, Carlos Carrasco. This was a terrifying look when it took place, yes. but uh, M- MRIs. Like I was listening to uh, the on the corner with Nick and Alex as it happened. Their their reaction. Like, yeah, I good. heard that too. Yeah, if you listen Ooh, to it, man. they like. <laughs> you, you, could, you could hear like the breath get taken out of the room, but yes. um, yeah, MRIs. Everything should be fine. Hopefully, 
So we don't have to worry about the injury per se, but you know, he's had those really, really good starts so far this year and a couple of head scratchers, kind of the Carlos Carrasco experience. But uh, what's your overall thoughts on the start of the year for Carlos Carrasco? Like, are you okay with him or do some of these rough starts kind of concern you? Um, I think the rough starts are kind of just par for the course for Carrasco. Carrasco has always been a really interesting pitcher to me because he is one of the few pitchers who is able to um, succeed with an absolutely garbage fastball that he throws all of the time. And that's only because his slider and his changeup are so good. But his fastball is just hot garbage, and it always has been. I mean, like, even... I mean, last year, last year, opposing hitters had a 302 average and a 240 ISO against his fastball, and it was his most thrown pitch. This year, they're hitting 313 against it with a 188 ISO and a 359 WOBA. It's a terrible pitch, and hitters tee off on it, but Carrasco succeeds because he has one of the best sliders and one of the best changeups in baseball, and... And so that works out. And I think because of that fastball, that's going to make it so that some days it's just not working for him and he's going to have some rough starts. But yeah, I I think that's just, I think that's just what you need to expect from Carrasco. And I think you're going to enjoy the strikeouts. um, But yeah, it's going to be a a rough ride. Yeah. I'm with you. I think he's super, super talented, but you know, he's one of those guys, and we kind of off the air were talking about how young Polanco is. Carrasco's a lot older than I think people realize. Like, he's actually mm-hmm. kind of far along in that uh, Cleveland system there. So, yeah, he's, um, yeah, he's 32. I, yeah, and he signed, what, a three- or four-year deal that kind of basically take until the end, most likely yeah, this offseason. Yeah, uh, four years, I think, yeah. Yeah, so good picture, but like you said, roller coaster ride. I know some people have been concerned, and we'll talk about a few more aces that have been kind of having some issues here pretty soon, but those would be the ones of note for me. A um, couple call-ups, and we'll go with the one that just happened today. It's happening for tomorrow's game. The Washington Nationals have called up one of their top prospects, Carter Keeboom. This boy, all he does is hit and hit and hit and hit, and he's crushing it to start the year in AAA. Uh, many thought he needed to work on his defense when Trey Turner first got hurt so he wouldn't be up to replace Turner. Apparently that the, uh, the hit tool outweighed the defense tool. Looking at you, Toronto Blue Jays. But uh, Carter Keyboom is coming up tomorrow. Do you have any insights on maybe what we should be expecting with Keyboom with the Nats? Well, I think he's going to get plenty of opportunities with Trey Turner out, which is great. I mean, I I think he proved that uh, so far this year that he's he's major league ready. I mean, you know, he was destroying AAA. He was slashing three seventy nine, five hundred six, six thirty six. It's ridiculous. He's an incredibly talented hitter. Um, he's got good power uh you know not um you know absurd power or anything like that but he's he's a very good all-around hitter and i think um i think he'll, he'll be fine in the majors and i'm really interested to see how he does i mean with any with any rookie no matter how good they are generally speaking there's an adjustment period so if he starts to suck for a couple weeks or a week or however long um don't be shocked but yeah i I like him. I'm grabbing him. I'm I'm in a um tw- in a twelve team keeper league. I'm in. I picked him up right away. Uh, he nice. was on the waiver wire. And uh, yeah, if you're in a in a ten team league, if you've got a roster spot, um, he's worth a speculative pickup. Deeper than that, yeah, just 
I would go grab him. I mean, if you've got the roster spot to spare, especially just go grab him because you never know. Uh, I mean, the guy has shown he's an incredibly talented hitter. So, and I think that'll translate. Yeah, he's going to give you some steals, a little bit of pop, mm-hmm. pretty, pretty mm-hmm. good average. And like you said, um, the playing time should be there. I think, at least this is just my thoughts. I'm not a, the Nationals can do differently. But the fact they actually are bringing him up when they could have waited maybe two to three more weeks for Trey to come back means they want him up there for good. I think if they would have, if they didn't want him up here for good, they could have played played the game a little longer, figured out different ways to fill the void. I think they want him up there unless he unless he really really hits a wall. If he hits a wall, then yeah, they'll send him back down. But I think it's just his job to lose now, and I think that's gonna be really interesting. I kind of feel good that I lost out on the Chavises and the Tuckers of the world last week in TGFBI <laughs> because some people uh, blew their fab on that. And uh, I like the I like the outlook of a guy like Carter Keeboom in what is still a very good Nationals lineup, even though Bryce Harper's not there anymore. So yeah, big yeah. fan of that. And as long as he doesn't take Victor Robles' spot in the order, I'll be very I'll be okay with it. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think part of the reason that um, he was called up was because Wilmer Defoe was playing so badly. Yeah, and he couldn't yeah, have think... he couldn't have expected that was going to end well. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I think they figured, you know, why not? And if he comes up and he's just raking, I, I don't imagine they'll be able to send him down. They'll figure out, even with Trey Turner back, they'll, they'll figure out a way. That's just a fun team. You have, you know, youngsters like Turner, Soto, Robles. Mm-hmm. Um, now you'll have Keyboom up there. Like, that's such a good, Rendon's really not that old. That's a good young team. There mm-hmm. that, and that, that's a fun one. And hey, if, if the Orioles, you know, if you finally just give up, they're right there. So it's okay. <laughs> you know what? So I do. I do root for the Nats. I, I like the Nats. We're you that's know, how I am the with National the A's. League. I get it. I, I get yeah, it. They're in the they're in the National League. I got no, it's like when you know in football people assume that because I'm a Ravens fan, I hate the Redskins, and I'm like, no, they're they're in the NFC. The only time I'm rooting against the Redskins is if we're in a Super Bowl together. Like that's it. And same thing with the Nats. The only time I'm rooting against the Nats is when they're playing the Orioles. That's really it. And since this is bench with Bubba, we are going to go down a side road here since he said something. Um, being a Ravens fan and the um, Mr. Elite himself, Joe Flack, goes out of town. Uh, pretty, every, pretty much every Ravens fan I've heard is pretty much 100% on board with that. Are you, are you glad Flacco's gone? Is there like a sentiment of, well, he was great for us, but it was time to go? Like, what's your thoughts on Flacco leaving town? Oh yeah. So I, yeah, Flacco needed to go hundred percent. He was, um, I'm amazed that Denver truly thinks he's going to start for them. He just, uh, he's just gotten worse with age. Um, I like the guy, like as a person, I've liked Joe Flacco. I think he's a good dude. He's been a fine quarterback. I have not been one of those Ravens fans who sits there and says like, yeah, Flacco is one of the best. He's so underrated. Like, uh, Phil Sims has done that for a very long time, and I just I don't see it. Um, I think Flacco is similar, or has been in the past, similar to Eli Manning in that like most of the time he's tolerable, but when he gets hot, he's absurdly good for no reason, and you don't know why. Um, but yeah, it was time, and uh, I really like what I've seen from Lamar Jackson. I was going to ask, are you a, are you a believer in the Lamar Jackson experience? Do you think yeah. he has what it takes? Yeah, I think he I think he does. And the reports from camp so far is that um, that Lamar is really working on being a good throwing quarterback. Like it it seems to me that Lamar um, knows that, you know, he needs to be the franchise quarterback and that he can't just be a running quarterback. And I think he is taking a lot of responsibility and he's just so much fun to watch. I mean, even 
even if the throws aren't great, I mean, he's just so electrifying to watch. And, you know, I think uh, some, I think a lot of defenses this year will pick up on him. You know, they had a, they were all surprised by him last year. And so they'll figure him out a bit this year, but if he works on his throwing, uh, I'm excited. And it, it also depend on what the Ravens do wide receiver wise. And that might happen in the draft tonight. So you we'll are see four, but... you are four picks away at the moment. So yeah. 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 It's going to be interesting, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm a Lamar fan and I, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm glad Flacco's gone. I, I miss him. I, as a person, I liked him. He was a staple in Baltimore, but it was time. Yeah. When we get, when we ramp back up fantasy football coverage on bench with Bubba, I'll have you back on and we can uh, reminisce on teams that used Perfect. to be. Perfect. You know, yeah. speaking of not, not to shamelessly plug this, but speaking of fantasy plug away. football, Pitcherless does have a fantasy football sister site. Yes, they do. I don't know if you knew this. QB list, yep. uh, which I run. And uh, yeah, so make sure you pay attention to QB list. We're not doing anything right. We will do some stuff for the draft. But uh, yeah, make sure you pay attention to QB list once it's fantasy football season because a lot of the guys who write on pitcher list also write on QB list. So we'll be nice. we'll be doing stuff there. So yeah, yeah. For those that have listened to the show long enough, they know baseball is my passion. But I do cover plenty of football because I'm not stupid. We all play fantasy football, so let's talk mm-hmm. about it. But uh, we will definitely all have you back on. and We'll do that. But let's get back to baseball yes. and the other call up, which we've been waiting for since last August, probably. Yeah. Um, the the Vladito himself, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He's getting the call. It is happening tomorrow night against Mike Fires in Toronto. I'm telling you, what better matchup than that to see Vladdy Guerrero go oh, yeah. deep? Over, over under four, over under four home runs for Vlad tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I'll take I'll take the juiced over. It's coming, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but um, you know he's just crushing baseball. I really don't have to go through his stats. I'm pretty sure everyone knows his stats by now. But just for fun, I've, I've asked a lot of guests this throughout the year just to have fun with it because deep down inside, if you're a baseball fan, you're a Vlad Guerrero fan. This guy just oozes fun and loving baseball. Oh, yeah. What's your kind of expectations for Vlad, or what do you want to see from Vlad? Like, it doesn't have to be a stat line. Just what do you want to see from Vlad this season? Um, Honestly, I just want to see how he adjusts to Major League pitching. I mean, you know, we know he is an absurdly good hitter, obviously, um, and he's been showing it. And, you know, he – it's funny the way people talk about him. You think he's like the second coming of Christ uh, or like, or at the very least the second coming of Mike Trout. And he very well could be, I mean, he has just a ridiculously good skill set. So I'm really interested to see um, how he handles the pressure that comes with being this like hugely highly touted prospect. And I'm also interested in seeing just like when he starts seeing not Mike fires, but when he sees, you know, when he sees Garrett Cole or when he sees Blake Snell, uh, he'll see Blake Snell a decent amount, um, how he adjusts to that. And if he's able to, like, rake against those guys, then just, psh, yeah, he, he's all set. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I think he'll be good regardless, um, but it will be interesting to see how his rookie campaign goes. Yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be fun for everybody. And uh, this is – I'm not getting paid to say this at all, but for I love MLB Network, and they're actually going to – play that game as the featured game tomorrow night so everyone can watch Vlad Guerrero Jr. And I think oh, yeah. that's the oh, way yeah. it should be. So tune in for your Friday nights and enjoy. All right, let's talk about some aces, aces that are having trouble because it seems to be a theme around baseball. And I put out a Twitter poll. Yeah. Uh, who would you rather have the rest of the way from these four struggling aces? Chris Sale, Noah Syndergaard, Corey Kluber, 
and Aaron Nolan. Nolan threw pretty decent tonight against the Fish. Um, 38% picked Chris Sale. Then it went 25% Syndergaard, 20% Nola, 17% Kluber. Who would you have if you had to pick one guy for the rest of the season out of those four? So I actually voted in your poll, and I actually voted for Sale. Um, I... I like what I saw from Sale in his last start. Um, I, I my eyebrow is still a little raised on Sale, and um, and the more I've looked into him, I am still a slight bit concerned. You don't obviously you don't like it when a guy sits there and says, you know, I'm super lost and I don't know what I'm doing, like which he pretty much has said. Yeah. Like he's pretty much said, I'm lost and I, I'm not quite sure what's going on. But at the same time, he looked a lot better. Uh, last start velocity was still down a little bit um I, I wrote a piece on him last week about why about why you don't need to worry about him um and I, I you know the thing is the thing that's the thing that everyone's thought is it's health like he's not healthy for some reason something's wrong um and I just I don't think that's necessarily it uh there's no sign that he's got a shoulder injury his um release point is still where it is which that normally would be uh lower if he was having a shoulder problem um so yeah i i think he's going to be fine but i understand the frustration right now um i do want to see the velocity get ramped up in a little bit but i mean you know he had he had 10 strikeouts last start which you know is great um but yeah, I I'm probably least concerned with him. Him and Thor are close. I think, you know, I'm generally I I think Thor's going to be fine as well. Um but yeah, no, I mean it's definitely yeah, there've definitely been a lot of aces who have been struggling and it's been incredibly frustrating. Uh it's yeah. It's annoying, but I <laughs> I have confidence it's still early. I'm not really one to engage in, you know, over the overreaction theater of April. Um, so I'm not like jumping ship yet. Yeah. No, that's the thing is if you spent the the draft pick on someone like this, you're not likely to, to go jump ship on it. It's just too hard to do. And I'm with you, Chris yeah. sale. It's, yeah. it's like Chris sale. Uh, Alex has said it on my show and other people. I do another show with the guy from Boston and he, and he's right. They got his ear to the whole thing. They wouldn't have given him the extension if he's hurt. So yes, it's something that's just agree. it's just something that's not there. Like he's and he's flat out said is he can't figure it out. Good thing is is I I have confidence I'll figure it out. As the velocity's gone up, you know he did didn't face a great team against the Tigers the right. other day, but he still struck out ten, like you said. Like he yes. still well he did, got the he did what, Yeah, he did what you want him to do against uh, an offense like the Tigers. Yeah, like so it, he, it that's, wasn't that's what he's supposed work. to do. Um, and in and in regards to Thor, I think it is worth mentioning that while Thor so far this year has a five nine ERA, he's got a two nine four um FIP. So I mean that's a pretty big differential right there. And I you know I I think he'll be okay as well. Yes, Syndergaard has a lot of things pointing in the right direction because his stuff is great, and he's oh, yeah. just a thrower. It needs to become a pitcher. He it's as simple as that. And the Babbitts will get fixed because he just he gets too much of the plate. He, for a guy with his talent and his stuff, he throws too much to contact. It's really really weird for a guy of his of his caliber. Um, and, and so that could just be like a little tweak. You know, you, you have a Cy Young winner in the dugout with you, as long as his arm's not barking, and you can you can talk to him. So 
I, I'd go check that out. I am concerned about Kluber. I am really concerned about what I'm seeing there. And Nola, I think, figures it out. But there's got to be, you know, the unique regression was coming after last year. Mm-hmm. And it's just you got to be a little, little concerned about what you saw on that one. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Um, without going too deep into those guys, I wanted to mention a few tweets from our buddy Ryan Bloomfield from Baseball HQ. He does his bloom boards, and he did a couple interesting comparisons. I just want to get your thoughts on these. So this year, taking pitchers early was a theme. Like you almost people were recommending getting two guys early. Well, pitchers mm-hmm. taken in rounds one through three have an ERA of four seven four, a WHIP of one two six. That that realm of rounds four through six, three three nine ERA one zero six WHIP has guys like Corbin. Paxton, who's coming off of back-to-back great starts. Uh, Tyon, Kershaw, Strasburg, Flaherty, Clevenger, Granke, Berrios, Marquez, and Wheeler. Now, you might not have the list in front of you. That's totally fine. But any of those names ring a bell that you might be willing to take a gamble on over somebody's struggling aces? Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. When I saw that tweet, the very first thing I thought of is, um, you know, you know, the the – the old adage in baseball of uh, there is no such thing as a pitching prospect, you know, tin, yes. tin stop, tin step, however, tin step. Tin yeah. step. Well, I, I kind of think like there is no such thing as a steady fantasy pitcher. Like they just, there are some, sure. but um, it just pitching is so volatile most of the time that it's, it's so hard to predict even your steady aces sometimes i mean there are guys that you can count on and the guys who you feel steady and like feel that you can steadily count on are generally few and far between but even them you know just the way injuries happen in pitching and just the way guys come out of nowhere and become aces it just it's it's a ridiculous position and um yeah, some of those guys uh, that you listed, like uh, I, I've I've been a Marquez believer since the beginning of last year. I saw, um, I actually wrote a piece at the start of last year about the new slider that he had introduced, and I was like, oh, this looks neat and interesting. And then it ended up being like the best pitch that he <laughs> worked has. pretty and, well. Yeah, it worked out pretty well. I was just kind of like, oh, like he's cool. Like I thought, you know, he's got a nice curveball, and this new slider is interesting. And yeah, it turned out to be great. Um, generally speaking, um, like I said before, it's April. I'm not going to, for most guys, I'm not going to like just freak out just yet, especially with some of the aces. Um, but yeah, it, it kind of goes to what I was saying in the preseason, which is pitching is super deep. Like it's just, it's so deep. You are going to be able to find guys late. You're going to find guys on the waiver wire. I mean, guys like, like Chris Paddock, for example, has been pretty great. And he was, you know, in some leagues, he wasn't even drafted, you know, so you're going to find talent out there. Um, And I think that makes it, you know, it sucks when your aces are bad, but the fact that you can find talent out there, you know, that the fact that pitching is so deep makes it that you can kind of make up for that a little bit, a little easier, or at the very least streaming is a possibility. I'm a big proponent of streaming. So yeah, it's, it's a bummer that a lot of these aces have been bad. Um, certainly the fact that the ball's juiced again does not help at all. Um, 
But yeah, I think you can kind of, I think the damage that your ace is being bad does to your team can be mitigated a little bit by the fact that there is so much pitching talent out there, especially in like a 10 team league where guys like, you know, Luke Weaver or maybe even Paddock or someone like that are just, you know, totally unrostered possibly. Yeah, I'm with you. I do. I'm doing a lot of churning and burning in 10 and 12 team leagues. Not a problem with that at all. Mm -hmm. Deeper leagues, not as easy, but you can definitely make it happen. So, um, yeah, it'll be something to keep an eye on. Um, just interesting stuff that kind of stood out as, you know, it's, it's been full panic mode all over the, the interwebs early on here, but it is good to sit back and kind of think about it and uh, realize, you know, look at those FIFs, look at those XFIFs, look at some of the, you know, the CSW stats over there at Pitcher List mm -hmm. and some other things mm -hmm. to kind of let you know that not all numbers are created equally. And um, as, as a great phrase of your wonderful website, aces are going to ace. And so eventually Absolutely. they're going to eventually you know regression to the mean is something that's very very possible so mm -hmm. keep that in mind let's talk about some players that are uh, either just made a, a recent impact or are tearing it up already let's talk mike soroka who got the call many coming into the preseason said he was the best of the whole slew of braves uh, pitchers in the minors just dominated in his first start and um for now it seems like his it's his job to potentially lose we've seen them do turnover there if he struggles they might you know take him out but what's your, your take on Soroka and that first start, maybe what to expect from him? Yeah, um, shout out to Tuki Toussaint for being terrible and getting Mike Soroka <laughs> a spot, which is which which sucks for I've actually I've always been a Tuki fan. Um, but um I like Soroka a lot personally. If he's out there in most leagues, I'm grabbing him. He um he's a guy who has really really good fastball command like he i mean elite fastball command his breaking stuff isn't incredible he's got uh, his slider's been looking pretty solid it's got a 43.8 percent chase rate so far this year which is which is good um but uh his breaking offerings are none of them are elite they're good but he works well with as a command guy and i think I like him as long as he's in the rotation uh, and he's healthy. I'm I'm grabbing him wherever he is. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna stick with him. No, I like it. I think there's a lot to like there with him. Uh, let's go to our, our man crush that we are finding out we both share very very much, and that is one Jorge Polanco of the Minnesota Twins. This man somehow is like the 25th shortstop coming off the boards in draft season and blew my mind. I. Since day one, I was like, this is the guy, shortstop's deep, and this is yes. why, because he is sitting there undrafted in leagues, undrafted in oh, leagues. Yeah. And all he's doing so far is, you know, has a hard hit rate of 43.5%, uh, <laughs> an 11.6% barrel rate, a 22.4 degree launch angle, things you look mm -hmm. for in a power hitter, not necessarily your shortstop. What is it? You just wrote a paper on him, an article, and the headline is phenomenal. Talk to me about Jorge Polanco. <laughs> Yeah, so the headline was, uh, what does Jorge Polanco have to do to make you love him? And it's just basically like it's what I good. have been – it's what I have been shouting because I'm like, this man is hitting the ball so well and he is doing so much and you people are like sitting there going, eh, I'll pass. Like why? What, what do you need from him? Like he is – you're sitting there like, ah, I'm not interested. And he's Diana Ross saying, I'm going to make you love me. And he's trying and he's trying and it's just like not happening. Like when I wrote now, his ownership's gone up since then. But when I wrote that piece, he was like 46% available, which doesn't sound 
crazy high or yeah yeah 44 percent doesn't sound crazy high but like he should be owned in 100 percent of leagues in my opinion like every single league he should be owned and i think part of what happened was he had that 80 game ped suspension last year and then turned in a half a season that was fine like nothing incredible but perfectly serviceable especially after missing half a year um, and I think a lot of people kind of forgot about him. In the second half of 2017, he really figured things out. His plate discipline got a lot better. Um, he just he had kind of just changed his approach, and he started raking in the second half of 2017. And he was a big sleeper for me. Then the suspension happened, and um, but this year he's just been killing the ball. He's been continuing to get better. His uh, ground ball rate is dropping. His fly ball rate is going up. His launch angle, it looks like ideal. Like you mentioned, his barrel rate is really solid, 11.6%, which is by far a career high. Like his previous career high barrel rate was last year at 3.7%. Yeah, that's quite the jump. Like, like, <laughs> yeah, it's a serious jump. His exit velocity is at a career high. Even it like... We all know he's not going to hit like 400 all year. That's not going to happen. Nobody thinks it's going to happen. But if you look at his expected stats, his expected batting average is 312. Like, even if he re- like regresses to that, that's still a fantastic hitter. His expected slugging is 619. That's in the top 5% of all of baseball. And his expe- his current WOBA is 464. His expected WOBA is 417. Like... His data, the data says most of this is pretty legit. Like the guy's hitting the ball well. He's con- he's going to continue to hit the ball well. The only thing against him that I have heard people have concerns about, and I totally understand it, is that he doesn't have a steal yet. And I do get that. Um, if you look at his speed stats, his sprint speed is right about where he is for his career. So it's not like you know he's gotten slow or anything. Maybe it's a maybe it's a Rocco Baldelli thing. I don't know, um, because I think a lot of people when they drafted him, they were thinking, "Oh, he's like a two ninety fifteen fifteen guy, like a a nice floor guy, but not a crazy ceiling." I think now I don't know that you can expect fifteen steals. Maybe I, maybe he starts picking it up soon. I don't know, but um, I clearly I think he's you know he's hitting more than fifteen home runs. He's just crushing the ball. He's still going to have a great average. So, yeah, I just – I don't know why no one owns him. Like, I mean, a lot – the majority of people own him. I don't know why everybody doesn't own him. Like, if he is on your waiver wire, he should be on your team. And I, I posted this article on Reddit, and I had a lot of people saying, like, well, you know, I've got uh, I've got Corey Seager, and I've got Tim Anderson, and I've got Jorge Polanco. What do I do? And my answer Corey to that Seager. is, well, you could do that. Um, or you could – or if you have, like, you know – Two great, uh, two great short. You have Tim Anderson and um, Jorge Polanco, for example. What do you do? I think you sell high on one of those guys. I think you could sell high on Polanco, but I would, I would caution that you don't end up selling low when you think you're selling high. If if that makes any sense, yeah. because I think a lot of this is legit. He will regress, but if you can find somebody who thinks like, holy crap, this guy's turning in an MVP year. Like, this guy is totally legit. Um, You know, he's the best shortstop in baseball. If you can find that, 
I think you could sell pretty high on him. Otherwise, I'm hanging on to him or I'm picking him up. I just he he needs to be owned in every single league. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what else you need to see from him. Like there's just yeah. there's nothing else to see. He's a great player. Like that's it. I'm 100% with you on that. Um, I just pulled up the NFBC ADP for the month of March, basically leading up to the start of the season. From March 1st on, just in the main event, he went 22nd overall. Um, here's some guys that went in front of him. Eduardo Escobar, having a great season. Paul DeYoung. Paul DeYoung was probably one of the only guys I took over. Like, I loved both those guys equally well. Mm-hmm. But Elvis Andrus, Garrett Hampson, yeah. Jerickson yeah. Profar, Tim Anderson's played well, but Jose Peraza, Cleaver um, yeah. yep. Torres. Yep. Like, the list is uh, – I could see the arguments, I guess. But, man, Jorge Blanco, I just didn't understand how he fell back so far. Maybe I, me neither. I was, I was pumping him all – preseason i have so many shares of him and i just checked so according to fantasy pros right now he is still uh 39 available which my goodness you know is better but still like he should be like one percent available he should be available in like six team leagues like that's it (laughs) that's that's pretty bad yeah it's ridiculous I, i just don't i just don't know if you are a fantasy player and you're looking at Jorge Polanco and you're humming and hawing over him. Like, why? Like, what What? What are you sitting there going, hmm, I'm just really not sure. I just really need to have this other roster spot. Like, what do you need? I just and it's crazy because it's crazy because a lot of those leagues have middle infield options as well. Right, <laughs> He's still exactly. out there. Like, <laughs> like, pick him up and use him. Or, honestly, if you really feel like you can't use him, pick him up and trade him. You know, yes. <laughs> like that. That's there kind of something go. that would probably make some people in your league mad because, like, you just picked this guy up. You're going to try and trade him. But, you know, just he needs to be owned somewhere. <laughs> 100% with you. Let's talk about a guy of, on your Baltimore Orioles and if he needs to be on. His name is John Means. Um, beautiful changeup, decent fastball, really good start against the White Sox last night. Kind of got mm-hmm. on everybody's radar through that. Uh, you know a little bit more about him, I'd imagine, being a Baltimore Orioles fan. What can you tell us about John Means? Because he's kind of this interesting piece that I knew nothing about. Yeah, he he's kind of an interesting piece that a lot even Orioles fans didn't know anything about <laughs> because he just, <laughs> it's um, – yeah, it's funny. Like it, the joke with Orioles fans is like we don't even know who's on our team anymore. <laughs> it's just it's a whole bunch of no names. But um, Means is a he's interesting. Um, he's got a one seven four ERA so far. Uh, that comes with a three three one three three one FIP and a three six five Sierra. So you know, nice twenty six point seven percent K rate. His his changeup has been fantastic. I mean, it's been it's been what um, we had pitchers call a money pitch, which is a pitch with a chase rate over forty percent, a zone rate over forty percent, and a swinging strike rate over fifteen percent. That's a, a ball that uh, hits the zone that the pitcher has control over, but still gets a lot of people to chase and a lot of people to swing and miss. And his changeup has been that. Like so far, it's got a forty six point two percent chase rate. 40.9% zone rate and a 24.6% swinging strike rate, which is ridiculously good. Um, but the problem is he's really just a two pitch pitcher. Like he's got a mediocre fastball that kind of comes in at 92 miles an hour and, you know, is okay. And he's got this fantastic changeup and that's really it. Like he also tosses out a curveball out there that doesn't really do much and a slider that's, you know, it has been his strikeout pitch in the past, 
but um, he's not really throwing it all that much. So, and the other problem is the Orioles, for whatever dumb reason, um, just won't put him in the rotation. He's kind of bouncing back and forth between the rotation and the bullpen. So, I think he's going to be a streamer guy um, when he's starting against um, bad offenses. Uh, then, yeah, I think you pick him up and you stream him. I don't think I'm going to roster him outside of deep leagues or dynasty leagues. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, pay attention to him. Stream him against bad offenses. But, um, yeah, I just – the problem is we don't know when he's going to start. Like, you know, the Orioles won't just put him in the rotation because they, I guess, covet the current rotation so much for whatever dumb reason. Yeah, so, teams are great like that, aren't they? Yeah, they are. They're great. But uh, <laughs> I was trying to look it up, and I don't think he had. I was wondering if he was going to be a two-start pitcher next week because he pitched early in the week, but I don't think he will be. But so more of a streaming option than an overall option. Okay, something to get to right. know there because I was just curious on what he has. Obviously, don't pay yeah. him in New York or Boston, but maybe somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. I think just pay attention to when he's going to get a start and then kind of make the assessment from there. Uh, I think he's a a decent pitcher, but yeah, if I'm in a, if I'm in a 12 team league, I'm not, I don't think I'm burning a roster spot on him. Okay. I dig it. Let's talk about another guy that, you know, Joe Musgrove has become the ace of the pirate staff. Jamison Tyon's trying to stay there as well. Rough little outing today, but Trevor Williams feels like he should have a QS t-shirt quality starts. That's just what he does. Print out quality start after quality start. He doesn't dominate it, but he gets it done. Um, and I know you, you wrote here, and I've heard Nick talk about it. I haven't got a chance to read it yet. He wrote an article on Rotographs about Trevor Williams. He but did. what are you seeing from Trevor Williams that kind of like makes you wonder, is he fantasy like relevant to me, or is he more just kind of like a scary guy? Yeah, so Williams is a really, really interesting case. Um, I, I would strongly recommend everybody read Nick's piece on Williams um, because I pretty much fully agree with Nick. In that, what what Williams does is he throws he throws a lot of first strikes. Like uh, his first strike percentage is like I want to say around like seventy percent of the time, which is ridiculous. Like he's he's hitting the zone early, and when he goes up against a team that is patient at the plate, that works well for him because they're gonna they're gonna end up behind in counts, and he has a pretty solid fastball. He throws it a lot. Um, it had a great P-Val um, last year. It's, it's, it's a good pitch. Um, but the thing is, is his breaking stuff leaves a good bit to be desired. His slider and his change up there, they're okay. I mean, they, they get hit. Um, so what will happen is, um, and like I said, Nick lays this all out in his, pit, in his piece, and I fully agree, um, when he goes up against a team that's aggressive, that likes to come out swinging, uh, that's when Trevor Williams struggles because he's thrown a pitch in there for a strike the first time almost every time, and they're hitting the ball. And he doesn't have the quality breaking stuff to really get guys to swing and miss. Like So an example, so his four, his forcing fastball uh, so far this year, uh, hitters are hitting 125 off of it with a 166 Woba. That's fantastic. But then when you look at his slider, they're hitting 316 off of it with a 263 ISO. So they're they're teeing off on it. So 
yeah, he's he is what um what we call at Pitcher List, what Nick calls a Toby, which is a guy <laughs> such a good who, one. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, he's a Toby because he he's a guy who um will get it done for you, but you don't like it. Like it's nothing. He's not putting up video game numbers or anything. He's not uh being incredible or anything, but he'll mostly get it done. So and, that, and that's why I wanted to ask you, like, because you know Toby's aren't exciting, but they sometimes are right. fantasy relevant. Like, is is, right. is this a guy that you just stream or do you just keep him on your roster? How do you approach Trevor Williams? Because it's a name that like many people struggle with out there, and it's just kind of because it's not flashy, but like you said, he gets it done. So how do you go about a guy like Trevor Williams? Yeah, no, I I totally understand. He is he is a difficult one because he, he's a very interesting case. He's a guy right now. Yeah, I I'm gonna own him and I'm gonna just ride it while it lasts because um, and I've heard Nick say this specifically about Williams. He's simultaneously a Toby and a Vargas rule at the same time. The Vargas <laughs> rule is uh, a guy who um, you just kind of it doesn't really make sense that he's doing well. And you just kind of ride it till it goes away. That's pretty much like similar. And obviously getting named uh, by after Jason Vargas's insane start to 2017. Um, but yeah, it's a guy who just out of nowhere starts performing really well. And so you just keep starting him until it blows up. Uh, and he, Trevor Williams is that guy while simultaneously being a Toby, uh, which is, somewhat of a unique position for a pitcher. So yeah, I'm going to own him right now and um, I'll just keep starting him until it blows up. And then just don't be, don't be surprised when it does blow up. That's, that's basically what I'm trying to say is like, don't be shocked uh, when he has these bad starts, but yeah, I think he's useful in deep leagues. Okay, cool. Um, Cardinals outfield. They had Harrison Bader and, and Tyler O'Neill on the DL given Jose Martinez actually some regular playing time. Harrison Bader has returned. Um, currently, Jose's still getting the playing time. We'll see how that plays out. But we've known this guy can rake when he gets the chance to rake. What are you doing with this situation? Because I've always wanted Jose to play, but he's such a defensive liability. These other guys get the, the, the star treatment, one would say. How are you going about this uh, Cardinals outfield? Yeah, it's tricky because I do like um, Jose Martinez from an offensive perspective, but yeah, he is definitely a defensive liability. Um, I had actually recommended starting him this week because he hits righties so well, and um, the Cardinals are facing a whole lot of righties this week. Uh, and what I think, what I think makes it trickier is Harrison Bader, while he's back from injury now, has been playing so poorly. So if I'm the Cardinals, I'm kind of like, I feel like I got to get Martinez in the lineup. Like Bader is almost an offensive liability. Um, but yeah, that outfield is tricky because Dexter Fowler is not being benched. Marcelo Zuna is not being benched. So really it's just, it's center field. Um, and Martinez, his only other real position is like first base and Goldschmidt's not getting benched. So Martinez is kind of stuck. Uh, so I think... I think Martinez is a guy that you really should own. I don't It would be a headache to own him in, in a weekly league. It would yep. be a real headache to own him in a weekly league because you just, you have no idea when he's going to start. Um, 
So in a daily league, I don't have a problem owning him. And just as long as you are vigilant, you have to be one of those daily league owners who's like really vigilant about his lineups every day. And if you are that guy, um, then yeah, I think you can own Martinez because when he starts, uh, he's going to be productive from a fantasy perspective for the most part. So I think that's kind of what you got to do right now. If you're in a daily league and you pay close attention to your lineups every single day, then yeah, I think that's, I think that's fine owning Martinez, but yeah, it's not going to be a consistent, he's not going to consistently start and that's just going to be frustrating. Yeah. I'm I'm hundred percent on board with you there. He's the consistent playing time sucks. He needs the DH in a bad, bad way. That's just what he needs Mm -hmm. because he's an absolute masher, absolute masher. So I like that uh, recommendation of daily leagues. He's a really good play. Weekly, it is mm-hmm. a, it is quite the headache. Um, yeah, you talk, just I don't I don't know how you can honestly start you, him in a can't. weekly league with any confidence at all. Yeah, especially once O'Neill comes back, it gets even worse. It's just going to be ugly. I know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, let's talk Jose Ramirez. We just we talked about some aces and early draft picks on the mound that are making people struggle. Uh, Jose Ramirez off to a rocky, rocky start, but uh, yeah. last week or so, really getting it going. Second day in a row, he's stolen a bag. Uh, he's got six steals now on the year to go with his two home runs hitting a buck 84, but all the X stats point to the positive. What's your takes on Jose Ramirez? Um, is this a guy you might be looking to go maybe pry away from a disgruntled owner? It's interesting. Jose Ramirez is really interesting, actually. So I was taking a closer look at some of his stat cast uh, data, and it seems like the problem is that he's hitting a whole bunch of fly balls to center field. It's it's really weird. So, like you said, over the past week, he's been good. He's been hitting 333, 478, 556 over the past week, which is great. He's got a 184 average. His expected batting average is 239, which is still not great. But, I mean, better. It suggests that he's been getting pretty unlucky. unlucky. But what's weird is when you look at his batted ball data, he's got a 35.1% hard hit rate on StatCast, which I like to specify the StatCast hard hit rate is – um, balls that are hit at least 95 miles an hour. So is his it's at 35.1%, which is the same as last year. His exit velocity is, uh, average exit velocity is at 90.5 miles an hour, which is a career best. So you would think he's hitting the ball just as hard, if not harder than he was last year. So why is he so bad? And part of it, I think, is you look at his average launch angle. It's at 20.1 degrees, which is the highest it's ever been. And his pull rate, last year his pull rate was 47.8%. This year, 29.7%, a massive drop. And so you say, where are all those balls going? His center field rate, like the rate that he hits balls at center field, is at 41.9%, which is pretty high for him it's probably about three or four percentage points above the MLB average but for Ramirez it's really really high and his um under rate which is a uh a quality hit stat that Statcast uses of balls that he just gets under basically they're they're poorly hit balls they're pop-ups pretty much uh flyouts it's at 39.2%, which is a career high and well above the MLB average of 24.4%. So what all of these numbers say to me is that Jose Ramirez is hitting a whole bunch of fly ball outs to center field. Uh, he's hitting the ball hard, but he's not pulling it. He's hitting it to center field, which is the hardest place to hit a home run. And 
I don't think that's going to stick. Like, I don't think he's just going to keep hitting the ball to center field all the time. He's going to adjust. And I think he's going to start pulling the ball more. And when he does that, the power will come back and the average will start getting better. So I'm fine. If you want to buy low on him, I think that's fine. I think it's probably not a bad idea because I bet you could get him from a disgruntled owner for pretty cheap. Um, He's clearly still stealing bases. I mean, that's still pretty decent. Um, So yeah, I'm, I'm buying low a bit on Jose Ramirez. I, I think it's pretty clear what the problem is. And I don't think that this is, this isn't a skill decline. Like this isn't, his plate discipline's worse or he's not hitting the ball as hard or something like, or he's injured. It's nothing like that. He's just hitting a whole bunch of pop-ups and I just, I don't think that's going to stick. So I, yeah, I'll, I'll buy low on Jose Ramirez. I think that's a great breakdown of that. I think um, the way you said his skills are still there. I completely agree with you. Look at the, I, I love baseball. So much. You can find so many awesome things here. And oh, yeah. um, the X stats, like you said, you know, they're not ideal. Do you want Jose hitting 239? Uh, no. But at the same time, do you want him in a buck 94? No. Or whatever yeah. it is, um, a buck 84. But yeah. what you what you pointed out, you know, he went from, like you said, 48% essentially pulled to 30%. And most of that's going to straight and even opposite field. Opposite field. He's up 10% last year from that. So mm-hmm. he's basically gone up 17, 18% from center field over. And that's a, a tremendous deal when it comes to, uh, you know, the power numbers, because as, as we all know, you know, you got to hit the ball hard, you got to barrel it, you got to elevate it, but you also got to pull it most of the time. And that yeah. is a big, big feature. So that's a great point you made there that not enough people look at because, you know, even myself, I'm guilty of it. A lot of the times you just go, you click that nice stat cast button, you look at the, you know, the X stats and you don't scroll down the page anymore, but there's so <laughs> yeah, many more yeah. things, so many more things to look at. Like even something as simple as this, I could be over, um, over reading it, like his meatball swing percentage last year, 74%. This year it's at 90%. So it's jumped a lot, but he's only, he's only uh, connecting and hitting the meatballs 1.1% of the time more than he was last year. So he's swinging a bunch more times at great pitches, but he's not getting proper contact on them. So right, there, there's right. a lot of, lot of little things like that. When you go through this page on his, like his, his chase contact is down 11% from last year. There's a lot of factors, but I'm with you when I, I do think you're onto something there with, where he's hitting the ball and that will change. That's a, as good of a hitter as he is, that will change. Yeah. And I think a lot of, a lot of that changes, he might've been hitting to where he was pitched to. You got to remember when he was playing first, he was injured for a while. So that could have maybe, you know, mm-hmm. changed his timing up a little bit. Secondly, no Lindor, the offense was a joke. Why would oh, you yeah. throw him anything he can pull? Why would you? Exactly. Like, exactly. You have no need oh, 100%. to. So I, I think that's a very good point you make. And it'll be interesting to see now with Lindor back, um, I'm not saying Cargo's the answer, but I think Cargo might be more of an answer than Hanley Ramirez. Um, Jake Bowers <laughs> at a home. Anything's yeah. more of an answer than Hanley Ramirez. So true. Like uh, Jake Bowers went deep to get today. If they could ever get him hitting consistently. So I think you're definitely on something there. It'd be fun to kind of, you know, like a month look back at this and see how it has changed from today until then. And just yeah. because the, the, he's a pure hitter. He's a very good hitter. He's so not going to lose a great hitter. I, I love Jose Ramirez. And yeah, I just don't think. No matter what hitter you are, no matter how hard you hit it, hitting hitting the ball to center field all the time, almost half the time, honestly, is bad. Like it's just not conducive to uh, being a good or to having good stats, to having a high average or a lot of power. And I also don't think that he's going to just keep hitting the ball to center field. 
Like, I just don't think it's going to happen. So, yeah, if you, I think you can really buy low on him right now. I think you're going to find an owner who's just ticked off that he wasted this stupid first-round pick on a stupid Jose Ramirez and is willing to sell him for 25 cents on the dollar. And, I'm yeah, I'm going to jump on that because – that trade, if he's if, the, if someone's selling him twenty five cents on the dollar, the risk is minimal, and the reward is potentially gigantic. No, I'm with you there. So that could be really, really interesting. Um, we'll we'll look back on that one down the road here. Let's talk Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. There's bullpen issues all over baseball. They officially yeah. came out and said Cody Allen is not the closer anymore. You have Ty Buttry, who might be the best guy. Hansel Robles is getting his share. Where where are you at on this one? Because I think this could be a messy situation most of the year. Yeah, this is one of those situations where I'm just like, I'm not touching it, honestly. If you have to, if you really, really have to own a a closer or, well, and not even a closer because there's not even really one, a relief pitcher in uh, Los Angeles, I think it's Ty Buttry. That's who I'm owning. That's He's looked the best so far this year. I mean, a 0.75 ERA is absurd, but it comes with a 1.20 FIP and a um, 2.63 Sierra. Uh, and I, I, the Sierra is a bit more interesting to me just because Sierra is, has been shown to be more predictive. So, you know, going forward, I think he sh- should still be good. He's getting a lot of strikeouts, which is great. Um, so if I have to own someone in L.A., it's going to be Buttry. But generally speaking, I'm staying far away from this. I, I am yeah. not interested. In, I don't. I'm one of those guys. I don't like dealing with a headache, and trying to figure out who LA's closer is is a headache, and I do not want to deal with it. Not interested. Yep, I'm, at all. <laughs> I'm with you with all the messy situations. That's why I was. I'm usually not an advocate of drafting closers early, but I was a big time advocate oh, yeah. of at least getting one top notch guy, and if not two, and just saying I'm good. You guys have fun with this the rest of the year. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I don't like. I, I firmly believe that every league should just have saves plus holds. Yeah, it it's it's a, it's a sticky easier. conversation. I'm with you. I think that's the best way to do it. The way the format is, um, I, I heard someone make the best format um, that I actually one I like. It's just hard to, to do because holds can be so wonky. A guy gets one out and he gets a hold. Um, right. But I, I like the idea you get saves plus half a hold. So it's like oh, your hold's worth half a point, so you have to get two holds <laughs> equal one save. I can kind of look at it a little more there, but um, yeah, I, though, I like the idea. I, I think say, they need to incorporate it. Though I will say, like, how many? And I don't know this off the top of my head. I can probably look it up. Like the leaders, the league leaders in holds. Do they have that many more holds? Like, are holds all that more common? And see that—that's a great point because, like, I think the lead leaguers are probably like in the early twenties, maybe by the end of the season. Yeah. Whereas, like, you're gonna you're gonna find guys uh, who will get thirty to forty saves. That's hundred. I don't correct. think you're gonna find players who are getting thirty to forty holds. That's a great so point. I it, it's hard for me to equate holds to saves in that way to say like a hold is worth half a save when in reality. Um, holds, there may be more total holds in the league, but they're more spread out, I think, than saves are. Um, though I would point. recommend, I would highly recommend Alex Fast of, uh, yeah, a great article. Yes. Wrote, had a, yeah, had a great article on saves, uh, in the preseason that was basically saying, like, you know, good luck predicting saves. There's no such thing really 
for the most part as like the closer. Uh, so, you know, just don't even really bother. You're going to get guys who get 15 saves, who get 20 saves or whatever, and they're going to kind of float around and don't waste your money on saves. I have been saying since I basically started doing it, since I started writing a pitcher list four or five years ago, I've always said, do not pay for saves. Never pay for saves ever. I don't draft a closer until the double digit rounds. Um, the, the thing, one of the things that, um, I heard once someone say in a draft is the time you draft a closer is when you're looking around at the draft, you're kind of looking at the guys available and you're like, I don't really like this guy. I'm not sure about that guy. I don't really know. That's when you draft a closer. And usually that's from the 10th round on for me at least. And, and this is exactly why, because just closers suck. (laughs) The relievers are a pain in the butt, especially in today's game, the way that the bullpens are being used. So, yeah. I like it. Uh, a couple more, and then we'll wrap her up. Uh, Travis Shaw, off to an extremely s- slow start this season. He's homered a couple times this week. He's striking out almost 34% of the time, but a lot of other stuff looks really good with Shaw. Um, are you concerned with Shaw? What are you doing with a guy like Travis Shaw? I'm I'm holding on to Shaw. I don't think I'm going to sell low on him at all. I, I'm I'm not super concerned yet. I, and I it, I should preface this by saying generally speaking, I'm someone who I believe if you spent a whole month in March preparing for your draft and you look at these guys, and you look at these guys, and you walk into your draft super prepared with all of your stats and all of your ideas of what these players are going to do and you draft a guy, I don't think you give up on him after four weeks. Like, I don't think you give up on, on, except in certain circumstances where there's either A, an injury, or B, some kind of, like, total skill change where, like, whoa, this is totally different than what he was doing. Generally speaking, I don't think you just, I, I personally don't just dump guys after, like, a few weeks and be like, I prepared all this on his draft, but, you know, now I'm not interested. And Travis Shaw, I'm not super concerned. He's still hitting the ball really hard. He's got a 45.3% hard hit rate. His exit velocity, his launch angle is right about where it was last year. His batted ball stats are right about the same. He's got a 265 BABIP, which is uh, sounds really low, but he's got a career 286 BABIP, so it's only a little bit low. Um, the only thing I'm really concerned about with Shaw is I am a little concerned about his plate discipline. His swing strike rate has jumped up quite a bit from 8.2% last year to 14.9% so far this year. But at the same time, his chase rate is right about where it was last year. So, you know, my eyebrow is raised at Shaw so far, uh, but I'm not... I'm not panicking yet. I'm not freaking out. I'm not trying to just sell them for 25 cents of a dollar, just whatever I can get for him and get off my team. And and like you mentioned, he's been heating up a little bit. His average hasn't been great, but over the past two weeks, he's got a 239 ISO. So he's, he's definitely showing the power. Uh, so I think you hang on and I think you buy low on him. I think whatever, if you don't have him, I like his positional eligibility too. Mostly he's like second, third base eligible. I like that a lot. Um, and yeah, I think he'll heat up soon. So yeah, I would, I would pick him up or, well, I would buy low on him. Yeah. Like Derek Van Riper has been saying he's a big brew crew fan. 
that um, he's been hit on the hand twice this year. So he's yes, probably been battling. Too. He's been that pretty too. banged up. So <laughs> we got to take everything with a grain of salt and yep. hope things uh, go the right direction. Let's talk about a guy that I was very skeptical on coming into the draft season. Older guy, been banged up the last few years, and Josh Donaldson. And he goes to Atlanta on a one-year deal, and he is he's crushing the baseball right now. He got off to a slow start, mm-hmm. but literally his stat cast page is just fluently in red and just jumping oh, off the God, page. Yeah. Um, are are we expecting a regression, or is this because what he's doing now is what Josh Donaldson used to do? So is this like something we're gonna we expect to see the rest of the way? Like we need to go maybe get Josh Donaldson? Yeah, I mean honestly, I think the skills were never really in doubt for Donaldson. It was just whether or not he could stay healthy, and I think that's still a concern. Even now, he's still hitting well, but. At any point in time, he is a he is a walking, talking injury risk. Um, but like you said, he's been raking, especially lately over the past two weeks. He's slashing 326, 426, 696. He's got a 14.5% barrel rate, which is absurdly good and is a career best. He has the 10th best ex- average exit velocity in all of baseball at 94.5 miles an hour. Now, it's still early. He's... Um, 11th is Josh Bell. So, you know, it's not like, you know, take that leader board with a grain of salt, but still regardless, he's crushing the ball. And yeah, I think you, he is tricky to own because of the injury risk, but yeah, I still think he's Josh Donaldson. I think, I still think he's going to hit the ball well. So yeah, I, you know, if I, if I can, if I own him, I'm, Super happy. I don't think he's very unowned. I'm not sure what is. I would imagine. No, he yeah, I'm saying would would you be trying to trade for him or trying to trade him away? It would be it would be hard to trade for him. I think because I think anybody who's trading him away is going to try and sell high on him. Um, yeah. But if you own him, I, I'm hanging on to it. If you are worried about the injury risk, I don't mind selling high on him. I totally get that because, yeah, I mean, there is absolutely a chance that any day now he lands on the IL. That's that if there is any hitter out there who's got an injury risk, he's one of them for sure. So I don't mind selling high on him, but for the most part, I think this is pretty legit. Yeah, I'm with you. The IL risk was what scared me early in the draft season, but uh, he's getting it done. Can't fault that yeah. at all. Um, Absolutely. Let's do some quick hitters here. Um, Eric Thames, Jesus Aguilar. Um, Aguilar, big year last year. Not quite doing it this year. Eric Thames no. taking advantage of his opportunity, but still has holes in his game. From here on, just, you know, a lot can happen from here on out. But just with what we know, which one of the two do you want in that Milwaukee first base situation? Um, Thames is a guy who I'm I'm riding the hot streak while while it lasts, but I'm not really buying it. The guy's striking out almost 40% of the time, which is ridiculous. He's got a 273 average, but his expected batting average is 218. He's got a 31.3% home run fly ball rate. So all of these things, you know, you, um, Nick has a thing he talks about with pitchers called the hotel, which is the holy trinity of expected of, shoot, equality something. But basically it's these... I'll have to ask him what it is. It's these three stats you look at for pitchers, left on base rate, BABIP, um, that uh, 
determine whether or not this pitcher is getting lucky. And I think you can look at the same thing for hitters, which is home run or home run fly ball rates, the third one for pitchers. For hitters, same thing. Look at Babbitt, look at home run fly ball rate, look at expected batting average, and you look at all these things with Thames, and they all suggest some mad regressions coming, especially with that kind of a strikeout rate. It is hard to be a successful hitter and strike out 40% of the time. Um, Aguilar, he's got a 176 BABIP. So, you know, that that's not going to stick. Uh, the fact that he has a 216 expected batting average isn't, isn't great. His stat cast hard hit rate is 29.4%, which is also not great. That's the, the balls hit 95 miles an hour plus. However, his hard hit rate on fan graphs, which is a separate hard hit rate that comes through baseball info solutions that's um, calculated a little bit differently, uh, is at 37.3%, which is down from last year, which is 40% la- 44% last year. But that's not a crazy decline. His exit velocity is still about the same. So all of this together, I'm a little bit concerned, but I'm not totally freaking out about Aguilar. His plate discipline looks fine. You know, I think the skills are still there. So I think the next, the next question then is like, am I buying low on Aguilar? And uh, if I can get him for really cheap, yes, I'll buy low on him. I am a little bit concerned for sure, but I'm not, yeah, I'm not panicking. I'm not, you know, hitting all the alarm bells yet. Thames, yeah, though, just, yeah. If you can, if you can sell high on him, go for it. Yeah, do it. Yeah, it's a sticky situation there because Aguilar was so good, and you got Thames who you want to play. I mean, if they really want to, they could easily just move Shaw to first base, move Moose to third, and call up this guy named Keston Hierap to play second base. Yes. and it'll <laughs> yeah. be a lot better than this mess they have right now. So, absolutely, absolutely. If they, I don't if they think they keep contending. And, it can be interesting. Yeah, and and for Thames, like I don't think the power has ever been in question for him. I, we, I think we all know he's a great power hitter. But everything else, you know, power, especially this season with a juiced ball, uh, is pretty easy to come by. So everything else that surrounds uh, Thames's power skill is not great. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not really buying it. But you know, ride it while, ride, ride him while he's hot. Yep, I'm with you. A couple more guys here. Alex Gordon has been red hot to start the season, hitting 311, five homers, 21 runs driven in. But there is some regression. Coming his way, looking at his X stats, are you interested in owning any shares of Alex Gordon, or you just be like, you know what, I missed the hot start, I'm not going to jump on now? Uh, Gordon is really interesting to me because his there are there is some regression coming. Obviously, like you said, you know his uh, expected batting average is 263, but at the same time, his plate discipline looks fantastic. Like he's got his his strikeout rates at like ten percent right now, which is absurd. Um, his walk rate is about where it was last year. Um, and even with even with a three eleven batting average so far, he's got a three oh three BABIP, which is pretty reasonable. So, and five home runs already. So, I'm I'm in. Gordon's gonna play, uh, and I'm. I'm kind of interested in deeper leagues, you know, like yep. it's, it's interesting. I like the plate discipline so far. He looks to be hitting the ball well and making good contact. So, you know, I, you know, I don't think he's, you know, the Alex Gordon of old or anything like that anymore, but 
five home runs already. Could he end the year close to 20 home runs, batting 260? Possibly. Sure. I think it's doable, and that's pretty much 2014 Alex Gordon all over again, and I think that's doable, especially yeah. if this plate discipline keeps up. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, the plate discipline's great. You strike it out about 10% of the time. It's phenomenal. Um, and you look at everything else they got going on there with the power. He's batting third in that lineup. There's really no one there in uh, Kansas City to try to take it away from him. Maybe Hunter Dozier, but all that'll do is yeah. move him down to fourth or fifth. So he's gonna he's not going to leave the field unless he gets hurt. So I'm with you there. Really interesting there. Let's go to Luke Weaver. Um, dealt to the D-backs in the offseason from the Cardinals. He even said he bought his own Rapsodo machine. He figured some things out, and it's showing. You know, a little bit of a hiccup here and there to start, but the last, like, three outings have been outstanding from Luke Weaver. Are we believing what we're seeing here? Is this a guy that we need to be picking up? Because I'm pretty sure he's available in a lot of leagues still. Yeah, I'm actually curious what his ownership is right now. He is uh, – I'll look it up in a second, but I am a Luke Weaver believer. Um, I have been – I was in the preseason, and I am so far – I, I kind of believe this – um, this nice start he's had. He is available. Wow. I'm surprised. He is only owned in 36% of leagues. So that's what? That's, that's crazy. 60, 64% availability. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm picking him up. Um, he's not, uh, he's not a stud or anything, but like he's solid. His changeup has looked good this year. 39.2% chase rate, almost a 20% swinging strike rate. He's, um, he's got, he's got, Four pitches, not a single one of them has a negative P-Val, which I like that a lot. Um, and the changeup looks much improved. Yeah, I, I like it. The way he's been locating pitches, he's been keeping his fastball up, breaking stuff low. Uh, yeah, I, I like Luke Weaver, and I'm picking him up Yeah, wherever I can, for sure. I mean, it, it, I say all this, it, it depends on who you're dropping for Luke Weaver, clearly. Yes, you know, yes, don't yes. don't drop anyone like absurdly good for him. But generally speaking, yeah, I, I like him. I I'm looking at uh Nick's rankings. Nick's got him ranked as the fifty-sixth pitcher. I think I'm a little more bullish on him than Nick would be, but not a ton. So top fifty pitcher, yeah, I could I could buy that. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like that Weaver Believer. I could see that one going far. So Weaver Believer, big fan of that. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. Um, Daniel Ponce de Leon um, came made the spot start this past week. Looked filthy. The the velo was great on that fastball. It's really really well. We've seen him have have his moments in the bigs. He just hasn't got the consistent time. He's a potential two start pitcher next week again at Washington at the Cubs. So not the sexiest of matchups. But you know, if he got if he has a stable a stable spot in this rotation, what the Cardinals' stable might be a relative term. Yeah. How do you view a guy like Daniel Ponce de Leon, especially maybe going into Fab this week with a two start option? So Ponce de Leon, he he's got a very good fastball. I like his fastball a lot. Um, his curveball is fun to watch. It's this big looping curveball, but it's not it's not that great of a pitch it's not an elite strike elite strikeout pitch by any stretch and and i think that's kind of ponce de leon's problem is that he's got this great fastball but his breaking stuff is just it's nothing awesome and you know uh, um yesterday he was sent back down to triple a with michael walk coming back 
I, you know, I'm not a hundred percent sure if he's going to be starting or when he's going to be starting next, which is kind of a pain, especially you know with the Cardinals. That's just kind of the way things are. I like Ponce de Leon. If he gets a steady spot in the rotation, I think for now he's a streamer for me, um, but not a guy I necessarily think I'm going to uh, spend a roster spot on just because. I like, like I said, I like his fastball, but I'm not 100% confident in his other pitches. Well, I'm glad my two-star page shows him still pitching, even though I got sent to the minors. That's a quality reporting there by them. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah he got, he's in the minors, it's going to those, be tough to make those starts from uh, from AAA there. So good call on that one. You never know, um, though. With the Cardinals, he might get called up for whatever reason. <laughs> very, very possible. Then it's very possible. Um, last guy I want to ask you about here is Danny Duffy making his return to Kansas City after being starting the year on the DL or IL. Supposed to be starting this Sunday, I believe. Um, reports were he his velocity was outstanding uh, in his his last ramp up to to the start. We know we've seen Danny Duffy look great at times. We've seen him kind of hiccupy at times. He's thirty years old. Do we want to buy back in the Danny Duffy? Because right now. Um, it stinks. It starts not like Monday or Tuesday. Like we'll know how good he pitches before the fab goes through. But what are your what are your expectations or thoughts on Danny Duffy right now? Um, I am not rostering Danny Duffy right now. Um, I will definitely watch him and kind of pay attention to see. You know, I've I've liked him in the past, and you know, he's interesting and worth paying attention to. But I'm not going to roster him right now, especially first start right off the right off the. IL, I almost said DL. It's it's been hard to get used to. I keep saying DL um, all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's I'm, got his. I'm, I'm I mean, guilty. This, this this next start is what um what we used to call a DLH, a DL hangover at pitcher list. I think Nick has called it his uh his still sit or still ill, still, still Ill, Ill start. Yep. Um, but yeah, I I am not starting him by any stretch. I will pay attention. I want to see what the velocity's at. I want to see. Uh, especially how his slider performs because it was pretty bad last year. It, you know, it got some whiffs, um, but he just, I don't know. His, his fastball is solid, but he just doesn't really, similar to what I was saying with Ponce de Leon, his breaking stuff is just not all that impressive to me. His slider in 2017 was pretty solid, but it took a huge step back last year. Um, and I just, like like last year, it this is how bad a slider was. Last year, hitters had a three thirty nine average against it and a two seventy eight ISO. Like that is ridiculous, especially for uh, one of one of supposedly one of your best breaking pitches. I mean, he's basically four seam fastball, throws a sinker a few times, uh, change up slider. Like that's that's his that's his thing. And when your slider is that bad, his changeup's still pretty fine. Uh, but when your slider is that bad, man, it's just yeah. There's nothing about his profile uh, so far, based on last year, that makes me interested in owning him right now. Um, but you know, if that changes and all of a sudden he comes out and he's dealing, you know, obviously that could change. But for now, yeah, I'm not interested. Okay, well, like the wait and see approach on Danny Duffy. Yeah. Well, Ben, this was awesome. We will definitely do this again sometime uh, before oh, yeah. we wrap it up. Why don't you let everybody know what you got coming up at the picture list or what they can look at it. Uh, you have done and where they can find you. 
Yeah, so uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ben J. Palmer. And uh, as far as what I've got going on in Pitcher List, I, um, like we mentioned earlier, I just published a piece on uh, Jorge Polanco and why you should be in love with him like I am. Uh, every Sunday, I publish a um, Hitters to Start and Avoid article, which takes a look at the week coming up and the hitters that you should be looking at and the hitters you should be staying away from. Generally that, you know, I say um, this is for middle of the road hitters, not necessarily your studs, your studs, you start all the time. You know, if I say don't, you know, avoid your Cardinals hitters, you're still starting Paul Goldschmidt. Um, so that, and that's useful, I think for weekly leagues, especially, but also for daily leagues. Um, so that comes out every Sunday and the, our going deep, which is our kind of um, deep dives into different players. I do those. Somewhat frequently, I had a few come out last week. I had one on Freddie Galvis and why I, you know, believe in him. Uh, I had one on Frankie Montes, uh, one sort of on Alex Cobb, uh, though that hasn't turned out great so far. (laughs) But we'll see. We'll still see. I mean, the last start was, you know, a return from injury. So we'll see. Uh, The thing I had mentioned on Cobb was he started throwing his splitter a lot more. And it looks a lot more like the splitter that he used to throw before Tommy John surgery. So, you know, we'll see. I, I'm I'm really interested in seeing what Cobb does this year because if uh, that splitter is back, the splitter he used to call the thing, if that's back, that's really, really interesting uh, because that was one elite strikeout pitch in the past. So, yeah, take a look at those. Check them out. Uh, and, yeah, at the very least, check out every Sunday. I got the Hitter Matchups article coming out. Awesome, everybody. Go follow him on Twitter at Ben J. Palmer. Awesome stuff there. Great chat tonight. We'll definitely do it again sometime. Ben, thanks for joining me on this episode of Bench with Bubba. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was it was quite an honor. Yeah, it was a blast. Everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 165 with Ben Palmer of PitcherList.com. Catch you guys later. <laughs> <laughs>